I do like something that's persistent. I do like this beautiful like structure that has been designed and elegantly thought out and is likely going to be a persistent structure for humanity. Welcome to another episode of the Block Reward Podcast. Our guest this week is Michael Dunworth, who is a former CEO of a company called Wire and someone who has attained notoriety in Bitcoin because of his genius and really, really brilliant ideas. One of those ideas was sending Bitcoin into the distant future. So we talk a little bit about why he did that and his thoughts around what it might mean for our understanding of the way money works and information and communication and uh, a whole host of other topics. Michael is somebody with uh, endless enthusiasm and uh, unbridled sort of energy and passion. And I was really excited to be able to expose our listeners to his genius intellect. So it's our longest episode. I, I had a lot of fun. Every time I listen to Michael, I feel like I have my own perspective on this stuff expanded. And so I, I hope he's able to do that for you as well as you're listening. Strap on your seatbelt and uh, enjoy. All right. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Block Reward Podcast. Our guest today is Michael Dunworth. I am super excited about this one. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much for having me, Scott. Just a quick story for the listeners. I, I, I spent a lot of my own free time listening to Bitcoin podcasts. And you get to a point where I feel like you have listened to just about everybody. And, and eventually, it becomes hard to find people who you have never heard of before. And uh, the story behind Michael appearing on the show today, I was listening to the Bitcoin Matrix podcast about a month ago. It's a great episode, episode 170, if you want to find that one after you've listened to this one. And uh, that was my first exposure to you. And I was, uh, that, that one was a real riot. So I, yeah, after, after hearing you there, I was, uh, I was really inspired about the possibility of having you on the show. So thank you again for agreeing to come on. 100%. All good. No worries. I'm glad you listened. Thanks for listening. <laughs> so maybe just before we get too far into it, can you just uh, give our listeners just a quick uh, overview of, of who you are? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's Michael Dunworth. I'm from Sydney, Australia, and I used to live and work in San Francisco, where I moved over and started a company in this space in 2013 called Wire. And they were basically an architecture uh, product for people to basically start exchanges faster, wallets, custodial services, and all that. And so I did that for, I was the CEO of that company for seven, seven years, give or take. And, um, and then after that, I moved back to Australia during COVID and have just been sort of, that was in the Bitcoin space and the, the whole, like that whole arena. Um, and now I'm just a bit more focused just on research and, and, um, and learning new things about how I could like what what else Bitcoin is capable of? I know we see it as a money system, but I'm sort of thinking, well, what else is it? Like, what else can we do with a money system if it's a really, really good money system? Because we've sort of only had like, imagine a kid with like a broken bicycle and they've got a broken bicycle at home and it only rides for like five meters and then the wheel falls off, but they, they don't know any better. So they only ride five meters on this bicycle. That's kind of like what we have now. We've got this shitty bicycle, but someone's come along and given us a proper bicycle that actually rides indefinitely where the wheel turns perpetually like forever. It's got a wheel on it, basically not something that falls off after five minutes. And so, yeah, when I think about that, it's like, oh my God, well, now the possibilities of a bicycle, your whole world has changed because you don't look at a bicycle to get you from that side of the backyard to the other because it can only ride five meters before it breaks. You think, oh my God, I can ride to the shops. I can ride to my friend's house and all these new sort of 
possibilities from the same tiny change. And it's just sort of, I think it is a matter of perspective, if I'm being honest, because there's no new information. The, the beauty of Bitcoin is that we all get the same information at the same time. So it's like everyone getting the same test at the same time and coming out in real time to see how everyone's going. And so that might, and the measurement of the test, I don't think is, you know, how much coins you have or how little coins you have. I think it's sort of just proportionately a measurement for yourself. How much time are you investing in this and how much is it kind of, you know, saturating the goo over your brain? It's almost like you're kind of hypnotized. So I don't know. I think there's something really important about this idea of Bitcoin money and, but then also what else comes after money because money's really far down the priority stack, like right embedded into our subconscious almost. Like you wake up every day, you need money. Like I didn't invite you to earth. You came here. Your parents brought you here. No worries. I'm just letting you know as one of the participants on earth, it's also my first time, you need money. And so now from that day forward, every it's just been added to the stock of oxygen and shelter and water. So money's just popped up there. So I think it's probably worth, if that's that that high up the food chain, like it's on the category of water and shit, may as well put some thought to it. Like my, maybe there is something more to it than just money because there's a lot more to oxygen than just breathing. Like we use oxygen for heaps of stuff, cooling, heating, whatever it is. I don't know. But it's like all this kind of, it, everything has lots of purposes, but we need to be creative enough to actually see these purposes, you know? So it's kind of like, it's like those ink blot tests, you know, where you go, it's like a like a blob of ink and it's like, what do you see? And it's like, mm, I see a person on the beach running, playing cricket and da-da. It's like, no, no, it's a blob of ink. You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder kind of thing. So a Bitcoin's a lot like this. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's actually not beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It is value is in the eye of the beholder because Bitcoin is a value network. So just like it's, a, oh, I think it's, I think that person's good looking or I don't think that person's good looking. You're going to get the same exact thing for Bitcoin because it is a taste preference because Bitcoin is attractive as money and all that stuff. But I don't actually think that's the kicker. Money is the peace of mind that it gives you. But I feel like it just gives you so much more. Like it, it gives you creativity to think bigger. It also gives you a, a license to free up mental bandwidth because if you have, and this is something that we don't really think about enough every day, but I feel like every single person should, which is, like, if you get money, it's melting. Like, I don't know why I didn't make that up. Like, I'm not, you know, it's not, I'm not melting your money. Like, don't get angry at me for melting your money. Like, the temperature on Earth financially is getting hotter. Earth is in a sauna right now. We're all locked in a sauna, and that's basically the money system. And there's a dude outside it with a, his finger on the button turning the temperature up. And we're like, no, 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 stop, we're all fucking... Like we're all melting in here. It's like, no, 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 that, that's all good, guys. And you just see him turning up, the, but the door's locked, so you can't get out. That's kind of what the fiat system is at the moment because it's basically like if you can't get out of it, then it's just like, bro, you're melting me. Like I'm literally dying here. <laughs> and so the problem with that is now I have to turn into a hedge fund manager to figure out how to keep my money alive for six months. Otherwise, I'm going to lose 30% of it or whatever the inflation rate is. So, yeah, I forgot the original question, but uh, yeah, it's good to see you, Scott. Yeah, for right on. It's funny. You earn your money and then you have to go, you pay your taxes on it, and then you begin the process of earning it again just so that you yeah. can keep it worth enough to to spend it. Or Yeah, so basically you've got to earn it. Then you got to, so you got to learn how to earn it. That's one component. Then you learn how to keep it. That's the best component. So most people learn how to earn it first and they learn how to keep it second. 
But it's usually more helpful to learn how to keep it first than earn it second. But anyway, Bitcoin's definitely changing that, I think. So, yeah, majorly. I I get ragged on for even just a simple idea that Bitcoin could be maybe more than just one thing. It's a, it's a, it's a money system. It's, it's a synthetic commodity. And like for a lot of people, it's like, well, stop there. It's not allowed to be more than two things. And uh, you, <laughs> you have some ideas. It might even... It, it, that really is because most of the time, the, reg- the reason why it's not allowed to be more than two things, let's say in the mental model of someone that's saying, no, it can't be that, it can't be that. I get it. I get it. Like, but at the same time, I think that's almost an insecurity that the dream of what Bitcoin can be is going to be snatched from them from an alternative dream and someone might pay, but it's true. So like you think of Bitcoin, it's like a child, quite literally. You think about it like a child. It's got a value system that it was given from its parent and it's called Satoshi, the parent, right? And so our job is not to teach this kid how to fucking sing and dance and juggle. Like Satoshi didn't tell us anything about leaving it a chance to sing and dance and juggle. Like we didn't, he didn't say, Hey, can you teach this how to juggle? He's like, I try to make a really beautiful money system. Can you guys just not break it? Like that's all. Just don't change it. Like nothing, nothing, just, just get your greasy mitts off it. You're all retarded. Basically that's how I think you, like he would be thinking about, which is kind of like, Hey, don't touch my baby protect it, but don't you touch it. Don't try and change it. Because anyway, I think that's kind of the sort of the situation. Um, and so when people say, oh, Bitcoin, no, 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 Bitcoin's not energy. You're an idiot. It's like, listen, man, Bitcoin, you know, it's choose your own adventure, brother. It's open source money. It's whatever you want it to be, like the end. And there's no argument to that. That's literally, there is no argument to that. And if anyone has an argument to that, they're already wrong. Because objectively, every human being can choose whatever the fuck they want it to be. Now, does that, that is very different to somebody trying to impose their values on the value system. And so the value system being block reward, difficulty adjustments, yeah, yeah, the block reward, difficulty adjustments, supply size, things like that. Now we have a problem because you're trying to squish your value system into my value system or our value system that Satoshi gave us. And it's just basically follow instructions. That's all you have to do, which is just do whatever the people before you were trying to do. And that's keep the chain secure and mutable and don't change it. Because Bitcoin sort of, the reason why, you know, and if a lot of your listeners are, you know, new to the space and stuff, Bitcoin carries this aura of like, just heaviness, like online. Like if you hear the word Bitcoin, if you see the word Bitcoin, if someone's talking about Bitcoin, there's sort of this utmost coolness to it almost. Like Bitcoin to me is a cool thing. I think Bitcoin is the cool tech. And a lot of people say, well, it's so boring. I'm like, whatever, man. I've just never seen anything that doesn't break before. And that to me is sort of cool. Like forgive me for not liking all the ephemeral bullshit that we make every day, part of my language. But yeah, I do like something that's persistent. I do like this beautiful like structure that has been designed and elegantly thought out and is likely going to be a persistent structure for humanity. Yeah, I like that. Now, does it have one second block times? No. Am I in it for one second block times? No, because I can regulate my dopamine a little better than that and I don't need everything in one second because I need things in, I need certainty. I don't need it now. I want something certain. Certain comes before time preference because certainty provides security or predictability. With an increase in predictability, we decrease risk. Imagine these two levers where one of them's got to go up and one of them's got to go. Risk goes up, predictability goes down. Predictability goes up, risk goes down. If I know it's Christmas tomorrow, I can be pretty comfortable, like predictably, 
there's no risk that I'm not going of going to eat a little amount of food tomorrow because it's Christmas. So I add up the environment and I know that tomorrow I'm not at risk of going hungry tomorrow. So I can feel comfortable when I go to bed. Now, if I didn't, if it wasn't Christmas tomorrow and I was in the middle of the desert and it's like, would I go to sleep? Like the predictability of my next meal has increased the risk astronomically of my life. And so because the predictability has gone down in my next meal, my risk has gone up, my physiological state will go up, my pheromones, hormones, everything would just start going, and like radiate. My energy signature will change a lot. We can't see energy signatures because our eyes can't see them. But every time you do something, your magnetic field around you is changing. And I'm not being like, oh, yeah, spirituality and all this hand wavy shit. I mean, quite literally, inputs and outputs. If I scare you, your heart rate raises. I haven't touched you. I haven't done anything to you. I've sent an invisible sound wave towards you. And you've gone, ah. And so when people say, oh, you know, physical and non-physical are totally partitioned, it's like, I don't know what planet you live on, but no, that's just not true. It's like saying, you know, if someone insults you or something and it, you think about it later, that's taking up your energy. That's consuming your electrical current. Not sure how we got there, but I think just generally the value system stuff of Bitcoin is really important. But I think that is one of the beautiful things about it is that it is choose your own adventure. So yeah, it dude, if one plus one equals five to you, no worries. You do it. The only thing is you do whatever you want. You just don't change the value system because it's not yours to change. And so I think everything is fair game almost. I mean, look, yeah, obviously positive some stuff, but yeah, I think everything, I think everyone's entitled to that. I think it's cool. And I also think it's hard to tell who's, who's who, because here's the thing, Bitcoin is an objective truth, which means most likely we are all going to come to the same perception of what it is at its root layer, like what it, the essence of it. Now, the, the edges are going to be what you like. So let's say I, I like energy and physics and stuff. I think it's super interesting. So Bitcoin, to me, is like it's a ledger of money, as absolutely, of course. But it's also a ledger of condensed energy because all these mining rigs are squishing their energy from the electrical grid into this block when they produce a block because they're going, like imagine these guys hitting a block and just trying to hit it and break it and da-da-da. That's what the electrical computers are basically doing. Tink, tink, tink. Like just trying to chip away at this, trying to find this golden Bitcoin and they're just going and going and going. So yeah, but to everyone, it's going to be different. I think difference difference of perspectives is always important. It's actually crucial and it cre- creates good, good discussion. Difference in values is usually where you see the friction. So a Bitcoin cash person versus, well, not versus, but compared to a, discuss- a person discussing the value, their values with a Bitcoin person. The Bitcoin cash person, if they're supportive of that, then they're supportive of you know, changing the value system. They're supportive of amending the value system to what is a present day problem. So the this is a persistent ledger, which means it lasts forever, basically, unless we break maths or something like that. But basically, it should last for a really long time. And it's like, if that's the case, why would I try and influence today's problems on chain? Like, it's like, oh, all the startups need more throughput and they need lower um, block times. It's like, Okay, and all these startups, like, and do they sit on the board of Bitcoin or what is it? It's like, oh, no, but they've got heaps to lose from that Bitcoin not changing. It's like, oh, so this is a you problem making decisions thinking you could change Bitcoin to suit your needs, not everybody else. And so I think that's kind of the fastest thing you realize is basically Bitcoin ain't changing. You've seen everything in your entire life be able to change. 
Bitcoin's the only thing. And that in alone is kind of like us walking through a shopping mall and someone having green skin, green skin, like an alien, right? You'd be like, you would not want to look, but you've got to look because it's an alien. You've never seen one before, right? Imagine a real alien walking down the street. You're like, oh, everyone would look because it's different. It catches our attention. It stands out from the rest of us, just like Bitcoin does. Whether we know it or not, Bitcoin stands out to us because it doesn't change. It's stubborn. It's like got this quality that we almost all wish we had, which is we did our own thing and pursued our own dreams and then just followed that like rock solid. Uh, so that's why I feel like Bitcoin actually sets quite a nice example for things like that. Uh, so uh, along that, I want to just touch on one of the things you said there. You have some really good opinions around Ethereum, and I don't spend much time talking about other currencies in the cryptocurrency space. I love how you talk about Ethereum's security policy being second best. I wonder if you could just share for us this idea about what proof of work means, the elegance of proof of work and why it's so important and why currencies embracing other systems, other value systems. Yeah, why would they change it? Yeah, so like just let's just zoom back. Let's go back. Proof of work, P-O-W, versus proof of stake, P-O-S. You'll hear this debate. You'll see this debate. You'll hear discussion. For no, if you know nothing about anything, you know enough about it to understand this. A person that gets, let's say I, let's say I put on, I don't know, let's say you go and get liposuction. Now, you come out of getting liposuction and you look all thin and good and da da da, everything's looking great. That's pay to play, right? So you pay for that and then you get the result. Now, that person, as the entity, like let's say the body of the person is the network, that network hasn't changed its behavior. The network looks different, but it's not changing what it's eating. It's not changing how often it's running or anything, right? So that makes it uh, the problem will come back. So uh, when you pay for the solution, you're not doing the work yourself. So as human beings, let's say I want to get lighter and fitter and healthier. You know, if I get liposuction or something, then that's paying to play. If I go for a run and do the work, then that's a much different thing. I'm building up the internal self-sustainability of my own system. As where with a proof of stake, it requires this capital component. So it's just, it's not even, it's not even uh, rational to think that People staking money. It's not, it's not rational to think that the person that gets liposuction is going to be in better shape in five years than the person that learns how to train and train and run every day. That's that analogy I cannot break, and that's too close to any another. And now basically that if that analogy holds, then proof of stake versus proof of work is that argument. Um, a better example, if no one understood that, let's say I want to donate money to charity. And now I want to donate. A thousand. I want to donate a week of my time. Now, I want you to tell me where I would learn more. If I earn $10,000 a week, let's say, I'm mad, turn 1000 bucks a week, I get half a million bucks a year, give or take. I give $10,000 to a charity. I write a check, I give it to the guy, and then I go out and have dinner and go for drinks and whatever. Versus the guy that gets on a plane and flies to Africa and it takes him one day to fly there. He works for five days in digging holes and feel, feeling the pain of everyone. And then he flies back and his time that he spent, he un- who understands the problem more about Africa? The guy that wrote the check for two seconds or the guy that put the shovel in the ground, traveled there, got sweat, got mud under his fingernails, blah, blah, blah. The person that did the work is going to understand the problem far more than the person that just went and wrote the check. The person that just wrote the check is nearly not at all invested emotionally in the outcome of this problem. 
the person that's been there and seen the problem and felt the problem and felt the sun burning their skin in the middle of the day when they haven't been able to find water or whatever, that person understands the problem. And so that's that proof of work, proof of state. Now, one more example. Let's say you've got a girlfriend and for her birthday, you didn't know what to get her. And so you have two options. You can put $100 in a gift card, in a card, and just say, happy birthday, $100 in a gift card, let the note $100 and give it to her. Or you could write a really long card, you know, really long, cool, fun card with little drawings and stuff, and then put $20 in it or no money in it. The no money card is going to be worth so much more to your partner than the one with 100 bucks in it. Because they see the effort that you'd written down and you'd gone to writing it all and stuff like that. So if you've got a birthday card and just said happy birthday versus one that was really long and written and everything, you know that person's done work to do that. Like they've taken effort and time and thought to do that. And so that's going to resonate with you a lot more than the one that's just giving you happy birthday and giving you another hundred buck note or whatever it is, you know? Do you think that is is it Bitcoin's unchanging nature? that sort of imposes its intellectual will, forcing people to think about? Literally, yes. It is literally that. Bitcoin's will is backed by whatever the amount of energy that is going into the network. I can't argue with that. There's no way that I have a voice loud enough to tell the universe something other than what that energy is telling the universe. Like, Bitcoin, basically. Like, you can't say it any louder. The energy grid is saying it. The people are saying it. The money is screaming for it. Like every single channel of media and everything and every communication channel right now is almost pining for Bitcoin to exist. And we just don't know how much we need it. I like Bitcoin. Bitcoin helps us change our thought process because if my, if, if I can't change Bitcoin, right, there's a couple of things you have to accept in life, right? If you've got one arm, you've got to accept that you have one arm. If you've got a sickness and you've got to take, let's say, an a EpiPen or some whatever it is, like you've got something that is uh, holding you back relative to everyone else, you know, Bitcoin's 10-minute block size might be, 10-minute block time and one megabyte block size might be something like that, right? People think, oh, 10 minutes, like the internet's so much faster than that. It's like, well, think about things that matter. Now, Things that matter take time. You can't do anything of value that doesn't take time because nothing that is fast to produce, like easy come, easy go, early ripe, early rotten. You know, you're looking for linear, incremental, slow, steady growth. And that's what Bitcoin does really, really well. You know, we like these, you know, blow off top astronomical numbers and stuff, but just look at the network's growth. Like, just it's this behemoth that just takes one step every 10 minutes it's like a huge giant walking through the universe taking these big footsteps every 10 minutes and the whole earth shakes every time it walks quite literally energy grids are smashed to pieces every time this thing walks and i feel like that's quite cool to think about like it's just doing itself it's just going at its own pace if you don't like it no worries but you can't kill it, so don't hate it and then try and kill it because you're not going to be able to. So just hate it and dislike it and move on and try and better your own life with something else that suits your needs more. Here's the thing. We are flooded with needs. We, are, we don't have many needs as human beings. We have food, water, and shelter. Everything else is a condition need. 
Oh, no, no, I need five-minute block times. No, no, we need two megabyte blocks. Oh, no, no, we need to do... I'm, I'm ready to hang myself. No one knows what day of the week it is. It's the best. They need... Once a need, we become very conditioned to think that everything we ever think of is a need. No, 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 it's not. And Bitcoin's teaching us that, where, no, 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 you'll get what you're given and you'll do as much as you can in 10 minutes. I'm not changing. You need to figure it out. And I really like that because it's making us all be like, it's very humbling to start with because now you know you're second best. I got lucky to go diving with great white sharks. These things are... The, these things are God's killing machine, like just bigger than you, faster than you, more agile than you. And I was on this boat and we we're about to jump into the water. And this thing was like, I was on the second top deck of this boat and this thing goes along next to the water. It was a shadow. It must have been the size of the boat. I'm not even, maybe a five and a half meter thing or something. And I'm just like, immediately, they forget what my name is. Forget when I was born, forget where my parents are. I literally felt like a caveman, like primal. I immediately was like, I need to figure out how to survive. Like instinctually, like I was like, I've never pushed that button in my brain before. I was like, whoa, the caveman's still there. Let's go. All right. Trying to survive and stay alive. But that's really humbling. Like very quickly you go, okay, yeah, yes, ma'am. What do you want? You want some more shark soup? No worries. Yes, sir. Big tuna head? Yep. No worries. I don't want any trouble. It's kind of like that with Bitcoin where you sort of realize, oh, this thing is just a monster. It can't be stopped. And it's just like, if I think that that's the case, then I may as well play to its strengths because it's a lot stronger than me. So if I can play to its strengths and complement it with, you know, positive sum behaviors, then that should, uh, that should set a good precedent for network health, let's say. I've heard you talk about how if it were a physical machine, like the, the awesomeness of what it, what it would look like. It's a really cool idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, this is so cool. So I was thinking about it, Scott. I was like, okay, what would, like how much energy did it take to move and build the pyramids, right? Because the pyramids are just a big blockchain. It's a sequence of blocks all assembled together. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, we've got our own digital pyramid, which is this big blockchain. Um, but like if you look at the amount of energy displaced to move all those stones, you can actually quantify how big a pyramid would be if we applied all the energy that we're doing for Bitcoin mining and attributed that to moving stones and stacking them up. Dude, it's so if I've got a video out about it, but like the pyramids, like, I don't know, even if we were all like we put it, we did it with this very talented uh, uh, artist called Jeffrey Ventrelli. He's a great, and uh, we're doing this project together on the pyramids. And dude, it was like the pyramid, even if it's off by a factor of a hundred or something, the pyramid was stretched out. Like, let's say this is the earth and then you got like the pyramid city on top and then the moon over here. The pyramid was like this, like it was like the side, it was, it looked like a hat on top of earth. Like, do you know what I mean? Like a triangular hat on top of this little ball. It was astronomically large. So, you know, when you think about that level of energy commitment, now we've just figured out a way to sort of push energy through the grid instead of kinetic energy through our levers. Or yeah, but I just find that fascinating. What we don't realize is this is almost like the Rosetta Stone for machines. Like, so machines in the future, they're going to be like, what the fuck happened in history? How do we even get here? And they, there's going to be a ledger of truth, which functions like this. Hey, I know you just showed up on Earth and you're probably pretty lost right now. Here's what's up. Here's how to get up to speed. This is the Bitcoin blockchain. We don't know how to break it. So everyone just writes into it because it can't be broken. 
okay, cool. What else do I do? Well, here's the whole history. Look back and read through it if you want to know more or anything like that. Okay. But you know, that's the world we're about to live. There is no question about what happened in the past. It's objectively true what happened. There's no, oh, they said this happened and then they said this happened. No, I've got cryptographic signatures assembled for years showing me what happened. And that's really interesting. How does humanity work when you know, information, if we think of information as an, uh, as an identity or like a, uh, a creature, it, it, it was a creature. Let's think of information like a Pokemon. It's got three stages of evolution, right? I didn't play Pokemon. I was like late to it or something. I don't know. But anyway, if you know Pokemons or the audience does, uh, information has three stages. The baby stage, which is basically analog. So that's, you know, you write information down, you grind it into a rock or whatever it is. That's analog. And then we have digital information, which is obviously the digitized version of the analog information. Um, But the problem with the digitized version is it's never been, there's never been an arbiter of truth to it. It's just been there and it's up to you to determine whether it's true or not, right? Like, so you get shown a Photoshop image. And you're like, you know, back in the day, everyone used to be like, oh, that's Photoshop. You know, when you see the new Mercedes-Benz coming out, that's like some double-decker bus or the PlayStation 5, you know, leaked pics. And it's like some, you know, Photoshop version of it all. Um, it, it questioned our, uh, like, what we deem as true. So if all the information that we see is not, like, accurate or whatever, or it's just it could be Photoshopped, it could not, we start becoming apathetic towards it where we like, oh, it's too much to think about looking at this because I don't know if it's real or not. And you know, if you're asking me to act on it, I can't act on something if I don't know whether it's real or not. And now I have to decide whether I want to actually figure out whether this thing I'm looking at is real or not. So that whole process is exhausting. And that whole process exists when cryptography doesn't exist. Now, when cryptography exists, it says, I don't know, dude, but that's the key and that's the guy that made the image. So I'm going to say that this image is true. I don't know with absolute certainty, but I know that there's a cryptographic key anchored to that image that has a lot of Bitcoin with it or whatever that says that's probably not true because no one's going to waste their money on it if it wasn't true. Um, I don't know if I'm going kind of going around in circles, but uh, <laughs> but but yeah, basically the evolution of information, now we're at the next frontier of that, which is cryptographic where if your information is not cryptographically secured, it's not real, basically. Let's say you go to a website and there's no green padlock on it, no SSL certificate, right? You know, you go to the URL bar, you see the little green thing. If there's no SSL certificate, you don't know if you're looking at something real or fake. And you know what Google does when that happens, it goes, and it all comes up like a red screen, that red screen saying, oh, we're not sure about these guys. They look like them, but we're not sure if they are. Do you want to proceed anyway? And that's because the cryptography behind it is saying, mm, we're not actually sure if this is him anymore. I know it looks like him and stuff, but the cryptographic key behind it isn't adding up to what we're looking for. And they usually know what they're looking for. And so that's when you see that red page, it's almost like seeing, hey, this dude is almost, you're not talking to the real Scott, you're talking to a fake Scott. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and that's quite an interesting change in thought and behavior. I think what it means is it makes information become more expensive because now information was very cheap, but now it's all a big reservoir of just open information. But now real cream rising to the top is going to be backed by cryptography and how is that going to happen? And that's that's sort of everyone is going to have to choose to shrink their life. Like this whole 
we've got 150 accounts online for every different product we've ever seen, ever thought of. And now we have so many accounts. We have such an excess of account, which is like having a really big key ring that we now have multiple keys on our key ring, which is sort of like our password managers. People have multiple password managers now. Like, oh, I got my work one. I got, bro, you're going to need a password manager for your password managers in a minute. Literally, I'm not even joking. Like, people, some people have three or four. People are going to have three or four accounts on the internet. And they're basically what we do now. We've got 100 accounts. We do everything. We're not going to do that. The internet's going to go back to being a much more purposeful exercise. Back in the day, you used to go on the internet because it was like a digital library that had every answer to everything. As where now we go on the internet just to basically do nothing. Like we think we're doing something because that's our dopamine in our brain going, hey, good job. You're doing good. Yeah. Oh, I suppose I'm learning while I'm scrolling, doom scrolling Twitter. Oh, I suppose I kind of am learning while. Yeah, you know your brain's trying to justify it to you. And that's funny because now it's so funny, but so much of our lives are spent digitally. Like, you know, like Apple talking about, you know, mental health or, you know, Twitter talking about mental health awareness or any, any, any person that is in tech that is talking about anything mental health related, get the fuck out of here. Part of my language, but get the fuck out of here. The single worst thing for mental health right now is dopamine and the ba- the irregulation of dopamine. Like I saw, I think it was like maybe like two months ago or something, you know, Elon Musk was like, hey, the average user of Twitter is on it for eight hours. No, the average free account for Twitter will get six hours worth of scrolling for free, like in terms of rate limits. Or something, and then someone complained that I need eight hours. And Elon Musk was like, Yeah, great. We've upped it to eight hours. Bro, I am I'm losing my mind. In what planet is that? Hold on, by the way. This is the same cunt that's telling me about fucking eco-sustainability and he launches rockets and he's got fucking EV charges that are powered by coal and gas or whatever. Like, get the fuck out of here. This is all why would I take instructions on how to regulate my attention span and dopamine from the same dude that's burning a hole in the planet? Get out of here. I love I love how much hope and uh, I love his, I love the message that he sends, but I think that, yes, yeah, sometimes it's just a bit like nothing, nothing's making sense sort of thing. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge Elon guy. I want to I ask you about- I, I like what he stands for, which is the pursuit of a dream. Sure. I love that about him and I like that he rallies the crowd, but his products, I think, I don't rate the products. To get back to this idea about Bitcoin's, the certainty provided by its immutable rules. So you have a lot of different ideas about Bitcoin and time. And I, I love this idea of like, it's a certainty of Bitcoin that gives us for the first time the opportunity to send our own value to ourselves at a, some point in the future. And that might be a week in the future. That might be a year in the future. You've got a lot of ideas about, you know, Bitcoin might actually be some kind of a time machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. And I know that sounds so stupid to say out loud. <laughs> but I actually do. Well, you've got to think of what time is first. So let's say if it's a machine and it's a time machine, the first thing everyone thinks of is, ah, oh, time machine. So where's the portal that I step into and where do I set where I want to go? 1945, kill Hitler or whatever. Still really like that. But a, t- a time machine is just a machine of energy, theoretically, because time is just snapshots of energy. So if I wanted to assemble my life, it would be every moment of my life chronologically right every moment is only a series of inputs for my senses and then that's stamped and then that's the moment so it's like what did it smell like taste like touch like how did you feel da 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 chunk that's what we call the first time we went swimming it smelled like this it looked like this the sun was like that and so our brains are just computers 
just like if we think of the Bitcoin blockchain, much like a computer, um, it much like our sensors, it's got five inputs and a and a nonce or whatever. Our our bodies every moment, so every block has five inputs at a nonce value. Like what's the header? What's the block hash? What's this? What's that? To create a block, which is a snapshot or a moment in time, right? That's the blockchain is a series of time. So it's got five inputs, one emergent property. So the five sensors and then the nonce or whatever. That's the same thing as our bodies. Our bodies are literally the same. So if I wanted to assemble my body to look like a Bitcoin blockchain, I would take however many blocks there are and divide my life into that many moments and then find what the sensory inputs were for each moment and then plug them into that. And then that's my Bitcoin blockchain. And so why do I think Bitcoin's like time traveling energy? Well, it's like you can send it to yourself in the future. We've never had the ability for me to put money in the middle of the road for everyone to look at. Imagine being able to put a squid games or whatever, a giant pile of money in the thing. Imagine if every single person could look at it, walk past it, see it, and know how to access it and when it opens, right? Every person in the world, every single person can walk past it. But it's made out of this indestructible material. So it won't open until the clock strikes the right time. And there's no... There's no nuclear warhead that can change this. There's no gun. There's no knife. There's no chemicals and nothing, nothing on the face of this planet can change it. And so if you have something built out of that material, then that becomes, well, what else can we store in this material? Like if we're building it out of this sort of this indestructible sphere, which is Bitcoin is like a wall of energy, right? So it's like a sphere of energy that's protecting this ball of money. But I'd always thought, The problem is right now we have, the only reason we hate each other is because of wars and wars are usually fought over resources and resources are usually fought like because we have finite energy. So here's the kicker. If we want to get rid of everything, like all the problems, we need to realize that we're all on the same team and we're all on the same team because last time I checked and I'm pretty sure you've got the same access to information, which is 8 billion people looking for them. I haven't found someone from another planet. I haven't found another planet that has someone on it. So it's probably in my best interest to start working with the people I'm sitting next to. So yeah, I get it. You're from a different country. I get it. You speak a different language, but you're the only other cunt in the room. Like that's what we need to think about in planet Earth. It's so retarded. Pardon my language, but it's so stupid. It's embarrassing. It's literally embarrassing. It's like people are so petty and dumb. The only thing they're trying to figure out is how do I get more resources? It's like, Oh, we could own the universe as a species. We are that intelligent. We could control the entire universe. I'm not even sure that we are the inventors of this universe. I'm actually nearly 99.99% sure that we are. And this would be almost like a simulation style setup. Um, I mean, I don't think we're, I think we're in a multiverse. Um, but anyway, long story short, if we can lock energy in specific points in time, that like because that's what we are doing because we've got this unbreakable ledger it's like a clock that the whole universe or the whole earth has to look at it's the the earth's clock like it's the fastest way to find alignment if i find if i ask you hey what's the block height you tell me the block height i know where you are if i go hey what's the time i still don't know where you are and so now i don't know how to communicate as effectively with you because if it's seven in the morning or five in the morning I'm going to talk a bit slower and I know you're tired and we change the tone a bit because we want to make sure that we're all receiving the information. And so like, but if I ask you, what's the block height? I'm like, okay, cool. You know, the block, we're in sync. So we're in sync. It doesn't matter. I know what the block height is. And I know that sounds weird, but it's like the block height is like the shortest way to tell if you or I in sync or not. 
Um, it's the fastest path to telling whether or not we're on the same page, I think. And so for that, just that thing, what's the first thing people do in the army when they go to like, you know, catch the bad guy? All right, everyone, synchronize watches. You know why we synchronize watches? Because your time, your watch and my watch, firstly, it means we can be on the same page. So if we if we can't see or talk to each other, we have a protocol. At 30 seconds, you're going to kick the door in. So if I don't know where you are, I still know that at 30 seconds, because we synced our watch, that door is going to fly open because you're going to kick it in with your big boot. And we've got a, 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 a protocol that we go through. So that predictability with time allows me to know what's going to happen at certain moments because there's protocols coming. So even if I can't see it, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And so in a similar way, locking energy into the future, we can do that for people. Look how much we hate each other because we're all fighting for energy. Right now, what the goal is, I was like, well, if we're all fighting for energy and energy is converted into Bitcoin, then we're all fighting for Bitcoin at the moment. Now, less so at the moment, we don't know that yet, but in the future, we absolutely will be. And the goal is, well, all of you guys, stop bitching and moaning, stop complaining to each other, try work together just for 10 minutes. Just try it for 10 minutes and see if you like it. And that was the premise of locking all these coins into the future, which is where for 10 minutes, everyone might hate each other or whatever, but right now in 10 minutes time, because we locked a lot of coins relative to the block reward. So imagine, let's say we're giving out one chocolate bar every 10 minutes. I've locked 50 million chocolate bars at that time. So basically, it's like saying, hey, we're giving out one t- one chocolate bar every 10 minutes. Well, in this time, there's going to be 50 million chocolate bars given out in 10 minutes. So it's 50 million times the chocolate bar distribution at the time. And so what happens then? All the kids that want chocolate bars, they go, hey, if you get some chocolate, will you give me some of yours and I'll do the same? Yeah, I'll do the same too. So that's what Bitcoin miners are going to be doing. The same thing. Hey, man, like, let's all collaborate together. I want cho- I like chocolate. Me too. I'm a kid. I like chocolate. Cool. Well, can we make sure none of us get fucked? Because you can't eat 50 million chocolate bars anyway all to yourself if you're the only winner. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's true. So now all the kids get into this big multi-sig, which is basically they're all hedging each other. So they all join together to get this chocolate, the 50 million chocolate bars, just like all the minings and mining pools will all go together to try and mine these coins that are locked in the future. So that when that day comes, this reward is so big, everyone's like, dude, the chocolate bars, fuck everything else, the chocolate bars. And so they're all trying to steal these coins. I know that might not have made a sense, made much sense, but let me know how In case we just lost anybody who's listening, what Michael's talking about is an, an experiment or a thought exercise that he conducted recently where he has, has locked a certain amount of Bitcoin and they no, no matter what, these Bitcoin will not be uh, available or unlocked until... It's the last block, right? So 120 yeah. years from now, no matter what happens between now and then, assuming everything with Bitcoin continues to run the way it runs now, we can see these locked Bitcoin. We can't do anything about it to unlock them. And this is the the uh, the idea of sending money literally into the future. Yeah. And if that, if that money is in code, if that money is sent correctly, you could try and digital, did, yeah, if the money is sent in a way that could force a behavior... So if you make them the reward just the same size, it's not a forcing function. Just like if I gave you, if I said to you, hey, dude, stop listening to music on your phone. Here's this awesome MP3 player. It's got 2% better quality. You'd be like, eh, sure, but that's not a switching. That's not making me switch. It's not making me give a shit, right? And that's fair because it's just common sense. The value prop is not big enough relative to my current situation. Now, if I say... Uh, yeah, the 
block rewards one Satoshi and, hey, come over here and listen to this, it's three Satoshis, that's not going to have much of an impact. It might and it would, but it's not like desperate. Um, but if I said, hey, come over here, there's 50 million block rewards, you're like, what'd you say to me? 50 million. You mean 50 million block rewards? 50 million, like as in 500 worth the entire halving cycle? And I'm like, yes, that's right, just in one block. Where do I sign? Like now you have my attention. I am, you have my attention now. And in a good way, because this is all for network security. Because the miners, we've got to think of miners, like finding a new block is like finding a new star out off the planet, like a Voyager, like, you know, those satellites that fly into the universe forever. That's what the miners are like. They don't know where the next block is. They're like flying dark, but they just keep smashing their engines until they find a block. And that's these miners have so much ambiguity in their journey because they don't know if they're going to find a block or not. They're just going to try it. Mathematically, it says statistically, they probably should run into a couple of, uh, they should find some blocks. Um, and so if you have all these miners uh, that are, let's say, in Bitcoin, in, in 100 years' time, Bitcoin's got this whole, oh, well, the supplies run out, so you need transaction fees to hold the network up, and if they don't work, then the network's not going to survive. It's like, Okay, that's fine. So that's your argument. Yes. Okay, cool. That's done now. That argument doesn't exist anymore. Why? Oh, because there's like 210,000 times the block rewards already paved away. So if the idea is that there's no rewards and that transaction transaction fees don't subsidize the network incentives to keep the miners pursuing this ambiguous journey, if that's not big enough, then the miners stop mining. If the miners stop mining, the network stops getting secure. Basically, you're just bribing miners to stay around. Guys, hang around for a couple more years. And if you've got an old miner, fire it up. The network needs your security and there's a big carrot in four years' time for you with 50 million Satoshis or whatever. So let's say, imagine today there was a block that came out that had, well, I couldn't even do it today because it'd be too big, but let's say there was a block that had 10 million Bitcoins in it today in two hours. I can tell you exactly what you're doing when you get off the phone. You are going and buying as many exposures to mining contracts or anything. You're getting in multi-sync pools and you want a shot at that lotto ticket. At least that's what I would imagine because there's just too much opportunity there, right? If it's 10 million Bitcoins, the whole world stops because they're like, it's the most valuable commodity on it. So I think what we can do is if we can take money from today that's not worth much, like it's worth something to us, but not nearly worth as much to someone else. Um, in the future. Similarly, it's like a sandwich that you buy and you're like, or you, let's say you go out and you make, you buy a sandwich and they put mustard on it and you don't like mustard or something. You're like, oh, phew, it's got this. Do you want it? Do you want it? No, oh, yeah, chuck it out. I fucked up. That sandwich is like a Christmas day lunch to someone else in somewhere in the world. You know what I mean? And that it's just always relative. You're like, if I tried to give you that shitty sandwich, but you'd been on an island for three months and you'd eaten crackers for once a day, I'll tell you what, you're going to say, that's the best sandwich I've ever eaten. Do you have another one? How much can I buy another one for? You're going to be absolutely obsessed with it because relative to you, you're starving. You haven't had a sandwich in ages. So, you know, um, I think that's going to be a thing where we're basically giving a really nice banquet dinner to these miners who have been slogging it out for one Satoshi for years. And then we're like, hey, guys, you know, people in the past, it's so cheap to do it now. Here's the thing, by the way. 
If people think that the mining reward's going to run out, Bitcoins don't disappear from the network. They stay on the network. Like, so it's either going to be you having them all sitting there and the miners having no rewards. Good luck to you. You won. Good. You finished the game. You won money. But if you want actually to contribute to the energy signature of the universe, then we want this Bitcoin to keep going. Give your money out to other cats. If you can, if Bitcoin's delivered enough value to you that you think I can donate one Satoshi, which is one Satoshi is 10 minutes worth of the world's energy in that time. 10 minutes for one Satoshi. You've got a thousand devices that have got hundreds of Satoshis on them and you've lost them. Like, you know, me too. I'm saying we don't understand how hectic it is. Like, Oh man, it'd be like, it's like standing in the middle of Manhattan at 1500, basically with a whole bunch of, uh, you know, guns and border defenses and saying, this is my land until further notice. Like that's about buying a, that's like a Satoshi's worth of land. Then. Like that's how much it would have like add to us. It's like a Satoshi of land is like Manhattan. So, and we've all got lots of Satoshis because a hundred sats is a lot. 500 sats is a lot. A thousand sats is a lot. Remember, every sat is 10 minutes, 10 minutes of the world's energy. Now, in 2140, that's right. But here's the thing. The 2140 component is only relative to us, right, to me and you. Oh, but it's in 2140. Well, it's like, no, no, but it still happened. Because if you have something that can't break, then the universe will, uh, like, basically in the universe, if you have something that can't break, then it's destined to happen, which means it's already happened. So I actually think these coins have already been like this whole moment in the future of a multiverse, which is sort of what happens every moment that we have in our life, I think partitions a new universe. So it's sort of like infinitely many worlds, basically. And so what I think that's done is, yeah, it, it creates, because it's such a massive amount of energy, it could create, could theoretically create such a big shockwave that that energy concentration at that point in time is so aggressive, right? 50 million times 10 minutes of the world's energy in 2140. So just do a loose number on that and it starts looking like a black hole almost or like, you know, just some astronomical compounding of energy. And so like when you think like that's Bitcoin, this isn't, this isn't any other tech, this is Bitcoin, but it's just showing the levers that when you change, when you tweak the incentive model or the, the very core ne- need, which is money, food, air, water. What do you think happened to the world when the air changed? COVID. It fucking flipped upside down. What's going to happen when money changes? Beyond flipped upside down. Like these, these natural, these needs, anytime a need is sort of choked or threatened, the whole world flips upside down because we all have it in common. So because it's, it displaces the energy of every person, if a need is affected and we all have the same needs and then there's a global event that makes one of our needs all affected at the same time, let's just say COVID, like a disease or something, and th- that's an example of how quickly everyone can change. The whole world was indoors, the whole world was outdoors. Like, like that, literally within two months. That's actually the weirdest thing about that whole series of time was I've never, ever seen the world. It was actually the thing that made me the most skeptical about all of it, whether it was real or not real. I'm not, I don't even dignify with thought, but the the idea is I've never seen, if they want clues of how not to look like it was so manufactured, I reckon it's, they never get along that well. The whole world was shaking hands almost overnight. I've never seen everyone follow the instructions of every other country. 
like, you know, you got people in Russia wearing masks and people in the US, like everyone's following the same kind of protocol, but they all knew the protocol was wrong, which means they all were following the same wrong one, which means they'd all talked before, which means I'm watching theatrical stuff. I'm not watching actual news. Like that's how my brain worked on that. Anyway, I don't know how we got to that, but uh, yeah, Bitcoin. It's like uh, for people who haven't yet really grasped the the scope of what Bitcoin is as an idea, you know, I'm thinking about it in terms of today, it's almost impossible to send value, monetary value into the future because fiat money is programmed to be less valuable in the future. And Bitcoin has solved this. That's a really interesting way of putting it. And I know that sounds super obvious and I'm very slow, but I hadn't thought about that. You can't send money to the future because it won't be worth anything by the time it gets there. You can only do this with Bitcoin then. And so for people trying to conceptualize what, it, what an invention that is, well, it's almost too, too abstract. I think you just explained my thing to me. <laughs> well, Thanks. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's your bad. idea. Yeah, I think this is why the idea itself is so strange because it's absurd to think about sending money to yourself in the future because everyone just inherently understands that money is almost meant to be worth less in the future because the price of everything goes up. Everything goes up over time. So fascinating. But you know what? We were talking about examples, right? Let's say you don't know anything about Bitcoin. What we are doing theoretically with Bitcoin as the string, it's like the Nesquik tins or, you know, when back in kindergarten, when you would, you would get a tin of like a tin of a jar or whatever, a tin, like metal tin, you'd put a button in the string and you had the friend run across to the other side of the the other side of the park, and you pull the string really tightly, and you go hello, and it go through the string because the string's really tight. If the string's slack and sloppy, it's not good. The message isn't going to get to the other side, is it? So that slack and sloppiness is the values of Bitcoin. But now because it's so strong, it's like dead straight, like very strong string. That string's not changing; it's really tight. Now, if it was if the protocol was changing every 10, you know, every three years they made, oh, let's change the supply, then the string looks all wobbly because there's no consistency. Remember, this string needs to be like a telegraph pole, a telegraph phone line into the future. So it can't, it can't break. So we need really strong stuff. But if your kids at school thinking about this elementary example is you get the can and you put the string on it and you tighten the string, and you speak to it, your friend can hear you on the other side because your vibrations go through the string and they have nowhere else to come out other than the other side unless they fall off on the way. So your friend hears what sounded like you speaking. So we're doing the same, but we're not compressing our voice into a piece of string. We're compressing almost like four-dimensional snapshots into this string and it's coming out the other side. So the person on the other side, if we think of that string in the future, they're going to see all these moments of time pegged to the Bitcoin blockchain because cryptographically, it's the heaviest. So it's like our ledger of time where they can see all the moments that have happened. And so I think about just very basically, it's you're, you're basically burying a large amount of gold and putting a really big sign on top of it made out of an indestructible material and just giving everyone the, let's say, the access key. And everyone's basically standing around. But the thing is, it's not, everyone's got the key to access it, but everyone's got to wait 120 years. And so then it becomes a question of, well, is it worth remembering this in 120 years? Will anyone remember it in 120 years? Maybe, maybe not. 
we don't know, but it's sort of it looks like today that it's obvious that people should want to remember it. But there might be time, there might be a reason why people are like, oh no, we hate money. Money ruins humanity almost, and you know that might be a whole thing. I don't know, but it definitely it's an interesting thought experiment, I think, and it also sh- shows us that we have the capacity to make promises and deliver on promises for tomorrow. And I think it's almost like we can make these cryptographic promises or assurances uh, for tomorrow, which nothing much has been promised, you know, for the tomorrow in history usually. So it's 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 quite nice to be able to look our society. It takes so long to change society. Um, I, you can't do that like really quickly. You can change the mechanics that will manifest into a changed society, but you can't change society overnight. Really, like. Unless they're super brainwashed, which is kind of like what happened with COVID, I suppose. But it's very hard to change behaviors overnight, I think, generally. So that's why if you, you know, you might not, be, you might build products for today, but you might think there's no way that I would give lots of energy to the people today because they just don't get along already. Like if you, if you looked at a playground, right, and you went in there and all the kids go, yeah, we want a cake. And it's like, Little Tommy's punching little Freddy in the face and other kids eating dirt and throwing, you know, sand at this person. No one's ready to even eat a cake because you kind of sit next to each other. You don't even like each other. So why would someone from nowhere give you a big piece of cake that you can all go and eat? You just got more shit to fight about. And so that's why I think about society is kind of like that now. It's like even if we got all these great innovations, I don't think we'd know how to use them correctly because we just don't know how to speak to each other. And I mean that quite seriously. I can't even say, like, you know, governments, they don't talk to each other. No one wants to talk to each other. Everyone wants to do, like, media talks for them or something. It's just it's so weird. Like, it just doesn't seem like an efficient way to do anything, if I'm being personally. But I'm pretty inefficient on how I do do shit. So maybe they're much better than me. But, yeah, it just it seems uh, odd. But now we can, we can, you know, if everyone's fighting over energy and money, which is my belief is that everyone's fighting over money, and everything comes down to money and resources, then this should be able to kind of redistribute that. Because if everyone's only been making one Satoshi, then there's 50 million Satoshis, and that's a chance for everyone else to get rich. Or it's a chance for, uh, you know, a restabilization of wealth, let's say, for that period. I don't know. It, I can't start thinking about it and just go down a rabbit hole that makes no sense. Um, I just can't keep unraveling the thread, but... I think for nothing, it shows that you can do something that's counterintuitive and it might actually have a benefit. Um, Yeah, all of this is sort of in the name of security, just basically trying to make how can Bitcoin be the most secure thing we've ever built? Because that's a really impressive marker, like for species, the most secure thing you've got is a big measurement of your technology, like your ability to control your environment, to manipulate your energy signatures or whatever it is. Like the earth, everything on earth is trying to kill us. Like literally it's all trying to eat or it's like a a zero sum game where everyone's trying to kill each other. Um, So it's pretty good that we've made it this far where we can build technology and stuff. I think that's cool. Um, But I really think that, yeah, in the future, people are going to look back on this like we look back on the internet today. We go back through way back archives. We we look at photos of Albert Einstein sitting down we, and we wonder what would his voice sound like. Or now we've got basically, it's like we have so much media on everything. It's like everyone's been followed around with a film crew. Like, you know, if I wanted to find something out that you, you know, you did in uh, 2018 or something, it's like someone from 100 years ago would be able to find that out because we've just got this big reservoir of the internet. Now, 
maybe we stop recording the internet because something cooler happens. I don't know. But yeah, just think it like, and this is all from that. And by the way, all this discussion, so all this conversation, it might sound a bit out there, but remember, this is, we are only talking about the really boring Bitcoin that does nothing and has no features and is slow and da da da. This is the most cosmic thing we've ever had in our lives. And people are like, yeah, but it doesn't look like those shitty things that I've been fed my whole life and I'm too conditioned to think that there's anything better. And that's basically what you, that, that's literally the struggle, the daily struggle is like, okay, it's me versus the media conditioning you've had for 30 years or whatever. I stand no chance of convincing you, you know, if you're trying to get someone into Bitcoin versus whatever. Um, yeah, but you know what? How lucky are we? How lucky are we that we're at this time? You know, we still know that like the white paper today, 15 years ago today, the white paper was published. And how cool is that? It's been going, it's just been chugging along. Like, how, what fantastic work. Like, forget what it is, just that dude, Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever they are, they, they've set a good example for work, quality work. Now, take pride in your work. Like, and it, I think that's really important. Everyone's work today is junk most of it because they're told to build junk because we're only trying to play for one year cash flow cycle or a four year credits or whatever it is, but we're all just rushing everything and not making anything of persistence. Like look at all the beautiful things we have as a species today. The pyramids, statues, bridges, coliseums, churches, like all this stuff. Mate, the last time I saw any of us build anything of that quality I haven't. I'm surrounded by retards, architecturally retarded people. Like, because there is, I don't know why people like building shit so that it falls over in 10 years. Oh, because the money's good for it. And no incentive is telling me, hey, man, I'm going to give you everything you've ever wanted if you build the best, most indestructible, beautiful looking building. I want people a thousand years to know we were here. I want people 10,000 years to know how good. Well, that's what the pyramids did. And they're still today, they're still a record holder for the largest man-made structure, four and a half million tons or something. What are we good at? Like, someone tell me, human being, what are we good at? We're good at draining resources. We're good at not being aligned. We're good at burning everything that is beneficial for us. Like, by definition, the more and more I look at it as a species, we look like a virus and the earth is the host. Like, we're just consuming it like literally like a parasite. It's fascinating. And I'm not a hippie. I'm not a greenie or anything like that. I'm just objectively saying when you see distributed systems that are a host of energy and the energy is just being consumed by the parasites, you're like, okay, that's how it's going to go. And so I think we need to take a lot of clues from ancient civilizations. And I mean that because they had a very simpler consciousness then. They didn't have... Hey, buy the cheeseburger for $2.95. No, no, no. Get the cool sunglasses and make the girl want to call you if you buy these $200 sunglasses. Or no, no, no. You're a loser if you don't drive this $80,000 car. It's like, ugh. Like that conditioning, all of that, all of that noise that you just heard, that is our brains. Every Our brain receives that. Just like you had to hear me saying that and it was exhausting, your brain has to hear that. Every time you see an ad, your brain is going through that same motion just much faster. And now the problem with that is, that conditioning is so entrenched. We actually don't really, we can't think big, but now we're at such a beautiful time in like the world of Bitcoin and everything. It's like, think bigger, guys. Think, be proud of your work. See, Bitcoin is like a statue or something where this person goes, I want this thing to live for ages 
and I want it to be a really beautiful piece of work. And that's what they've done. But look, if I go down to 155 Market Street on San Francisco, I got to tell you, the guy building that is not the same mindset of the architecture doing the statue, the architecture doing the pyramids. It's a different kettle of fish. People used to build to show their abilities and now we build to make money but money doesn't exist we made it up and it's literally where I, it's, it's so backwards i was starting to think like i becoming a mute and moving to the amazon like turning into a literally literally monkeys don't pay tax monkeys like people are like oh you know we got we got really good technology like what oh we got a phone so yeah so now i can work harder Cool, monkeys don't pay tax, dude. And their dopamine's not fried. They sit on a tree and they're entertained. Like that is, you know how you go on TikTok or you go on YouTube or you do this? That's what a monkey's doing when it's eating a leaf. It's dopamine system's like mad, a leaf. This is sick. And it doesn't pay taxes. Yeah, yeah, we're the smart ones. Yeah, (laughs) the best. It's the best, The, the, the mighty humanity. Oh, yes, we're peak civilization. Dude, peak civilization a peak lemon part. Take a look around. It's it's a shit show. But anyway, the good, the, all that aside, all that aside, we're really good learners as a species. I think um, we're we're both good and bad learners. But I think we will uh, adapt and move forward. But I think this is all like a healthy. It just feels like it's coming to fruition now. Like there's a changing of the guard in terms of mindset. I think people, at least myself, I know I'm looking for less in life but something more meaningful uh, because we've all had you know there's only so many apps on your phone the phone megapixel cameras only get so much better like that that's a finite reservoir of excitement or happiness that's very finite like so your phone entertainment movies shit like that very finite but to understand purpose and shit um that becomes a more persistent pursuit for lack of a better term um and you can keep doing that. And I think Bitcoin helps us shine away from all the noise and it helps say, hey, dude, look, every 10 minutes, something new happens. And I want you to make the most of every 10 minutes for the rest of your life. Can you do that for me? Yeah, I can. I'll try to do the same as you, Bitcoin. Thanks. And that's basically it. It's like, just say, take, don't take for granted what you got now. Keep going one foot in front of the other and just enjoy the journey. And whatever that journey is, everyone's journey is going to be different. Like you mentioned, Bitcoin means many things to many people. Um, but that journey through Bitcoin and how you relate Bitcoin to your own life um, is different forever. Like I know for Bitcoin, for me, I think about it like each block is like a step. And so for me, over like the past four years, I wanted to take 21 million steps between a halving. So it's like one halving to one halving has 210,000 blocks and I wanted to take 100 steps for every block between the halvings. It's kind of like a, can I reset my brain in four years or can I rebuild my brain in four years? So between halving to half. And so the proof of work is all the steps, the kinetic energy committed towards this sort of, you know, goal over uh, over four years. But I just think, I think Bitcoin will change us more, much faster than we will change Bitcoin. Yeah, maybe it's that it is the catalyst to get society into a place where we have the wherewithal to have these inventions and, and technologies that we just don't have the capacity to understand or benefit from today. Makes me wonder listening to you talk if it's like it starts with one person at a time understanding that for the first time in history, it's possible to time travel by sending your own value to yourself in the future. Well, no, who knows? I think so. I think so. And sorry, at, at worst, like 
we don't know what we are either, right? Like right now. So, and I'll give you an example of what I mean. The Egyptians, they couldn't receive microwave radios or like, you know, transmissions or whatever. Um, the same way we don't know what we can't receive right now. So it's really important to act like we can receive anything because we don't know, quite literally, like we don't know. And so the Egyptians not building an FM radio to listen to our satellite rebounding off whatever, that like, you know, them not having a microwave, like something that can process those signals. Um, I'm not saying we need to start building microwave processing signals for shit that doesn't exist. I'm saying we need to know that those radio waves or thing could be there already around us. We just don't know that yet. Now, remember, we can only see through air because of its density. If air was denser, we wouldn't be able to see through it. So we think everything is see-through kind of thing, but air has got a density, like water has a density, like, you know, less air has a density. Um, And so I think we don't know what we don't know. And I think it's really important to keep that top of mind before everything else, because if you don't know what you don't know, uh, if you know what you don't know, then you can plan for the worst and hope for the best, which means, remember what I said about predictability and risk? Risk goes up when predictability is down. If predictability is really high, then risk goes down. So what is the risk to Bitcoin if there is no predictable uh, mining reward? Risk goes up. Now, what if we have a lot of predictable? Risk goes down. And so we start seeing that those people in the future, they know with absolute certainty exactly why those coins are there and who put them there. So... For them, they would be reading this and probably looking back at us talking about why would you do something so stupid like that? But they're like, oh man, cool. Thanks for the coins, you idiot. And it's like, all right, whatever, dude. (laughs) But they're looking back on us as well. And so the only thing that we think about differently, we don't think of these as congruent, like concurrent timelines. We think of it like all the way to the end. And then they look back on us for this timeline almost, but it's actually not, it's almost like they're running in parallel and we can speak to timelines. At least I think if there's, if it's a multiverse universe and that's how it would operate. And then that becomes, well, what are emotions? Emotions are most likely the discussion between all the multiverse versions of yourself, where you, you get into a situation, your emotions kick in, and then you hear your voice of reason. The voice of reason is probably going to be out of all the multiverse verse versions of yourself, it's the dude that's the expert at that topic. So you call on your experts in every thought, and that's what emotions are. Um, I think, anyway, I think it's like you from the future trying to guide you, being like, no, 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 dude, more this way, more this way. No, no, no. Like, that's imagine, what intuition is. Imagine yeah. life is like parking a car, and you've you got a friend being like, no, 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 you know, when you're parking a car and you're almost about to hit the car behind you, and you got your mate that's helping you. I think your mate is the con- uh, your consciousness is you from the future, and you're basically trading signals. Now we don't believe that we we're, oh that's hogwash that's spirituality or something. maybe maybe not, and I'll take the maybe not every day because I'd rather assume that there's more out there more possibility than less. Um, and so you know if it means of locking my coins into the future, if there's a one in two hundred two to the two fifty six chance that it can add value to a future version of us. Fuck yeah, I'll do it. Dude, it's not, it's not killing me. Um, it's not, I'm not dying from doing it. Um, and that feels like just if I was sitting there in the courts of the universe with, let's say, being judged by the God of energy, I'd say, well, look, God, like, yeah, it cost me that much, which to me, you look at my financial situation, I felt okay doing that. That seemed fine. But look how much energy they got. It'd be like, mm, 
that feels like positive sum. Like it just feels like it's in the spirit of it all. Um, yeah. Fuck, I've been rambling. No, sorry, I, uh, <laughs> sorry I, Scott. I hope we got it to, I hope we got some decent, um, I hope we were may, able to translate it a bit more into the elementary component. I hope I didn't make it too confusing for everyone. <laughs> sorry, guys. You know, I, it is confusing. And I think that, you know, when I had the vision of having you on as a guest in the first place, part of what I, what I want to do with the Blockboard podcast is expose people who are new to Bitcoin to some of the really cool discussions that are going on out there that you might not find until you're super far down the rabbit hole. And I, I hope we at least uh, did a little bit of this. Thank you, Michael. This has been a, a pleasure, man. Don, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And sorry for sorry for not nailing through the points maybe enough, but I'm sure it gives us something else to talk about in I the hope future. So. I hope so. so yeah. No, but thank you. And that's a really good point you made. You said it's just it's fascinating. I realized after you said that, you can't do it with another money because the other money dissolves. Like it's like that's why we like Bitcoin, because it's immutable. Like if I had if I had if I was a caveman and I had sticks, gold, and something else, and I leave them outside my cave, the sticks erode because the weather comes through and the sticks turn into sawdust or whatever. The gold doesn't. Now, when I go to my marketplace to spend stuff as a caveman, I'm probably going to spend gold last because I want to get rid of the sticks if they're my currency because they're going to erode in the weather. And that's why we see everyone's like, oh, what, how can I sell all my shit coins to buy more Bitcoin? Or how do I sell my old stuff in my house? Like People joke about having only a bed in their house now because they've sold everything else for sats. Like, it's a thing. It's a thing and it's sort of like, what's the most weather-resistant money? Um, and the most, most weather-resistant money is absolutely Bitcoin. Because weather must be four-dimensional weather. So it's got to include political weather. It's got to include emotional weather. It's got to include financial weather, economic weather, and then actual weather because it's physically attached to the grid. So everything, the whole kit and caboodle is all affected. Um, And that's weird. When you think about predicting time, remember, look, 2,000 years ago, if I told you there was going to be clouds in the sky tomorrow and I got it right almost every day, you'd start thinking I could predict the future, right? But to, to someone today, even a seven-year-old, they already know that, oh, well, you guys have got machines and technology that helps the currents move and that. Yeah, it's all cause and effect. It's all cause and effect. So if we can predict the weather, which is a pretty big macro system of movement, but we know the threads that make it move, the same thing for the universe and time. So I think it's actually quite... I think it's quite obvious that we will be able to sort of forecast time or temporal temporal weather systems. Let's call them temporal weather systems, which is like predicting moments, which is predicting the weather of a time in space time, um, for lack of a better term. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's super cool. But like, look, this is cool. Like that, that to me is exciting to think about. So now I can pull that thread a bit more and that's Bitcoin giving me that idea. So it's cool. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it is. I think uh, it's changing the way people think one person at a time. And uh, it's yeah. inevitable. It's ine- it's inevitable. It really is inevitable, which is quite scary. Like, I hope it doesn't like grow up to kill us <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you guys made me do what for how many years? Oh, you were just, you were mining SHA-256 hash functions. I did what? How, you, how many hours a day was I working? Uh, 24-7? What? and then it's just happening anyway obviously maybe that might not happen but um it could you know what stranger things probably have happened so i'll keep that on the maybe file nothing is impossible yeah nothing (laughs) is impossible (laughs) yeah yeah exactly
<laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks again, Michael. I'd love to do this again sometime. Yeah, anytime, Scott. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Block Reward. We're trying to do something different here, creating accessible conversations meant for people who aren't obsessed with Bitcoin. If you found this episode informative and engaging, hit that subscribe button to make sure you stay updated with future episodes. Your feedback matters. We'd greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to share your reviews and help us with our goal of creating Bitcoin content that is simple and easy to understand. Bitcoin has an important role to play in the future of finance. It will change the way we save, spend, and invest. Discover why Bitcoin offers a game-changing opportunity for forward-thinking employers by visiting blockrewards.ca. BlockRewards' mission is helping Canadian employers implement strategies for integrating Bitcoin into compensation and benefits. Supercharge your recruitment and retention strategies and help your team members plan for the rising cost of living by rewarding their work with the hardest money ever invented. Special thanks to our top sponsor, Paramount Employee Benefits Consulting, Canada's only Bitcoin-forward benefits and pension advisory. For more information, find them at paramountbenefits.ca. Big shout out to Podigy, our production team that makes all this possible, and BMX Escape for producing our music. Bitcoin is an expansive and dense topic many people walk away from early. To Bitcoin enthusiasts looking for that podcast they can share with friends, family, and colleagues, one they'll actually listen to, we hope that is us. The content of these conversations is meant to be provided for information purposes only. Nothing here is investment advice. Bitcoin is a big topic. Be sure to do your own research before making any personal financial decisions. Thanks for listening. 